Welcome to the We Rise by Lifting Each Other podcast. I'm Michelle, and thank you so much for joining us. My goal here is to talk to good people who do good works and are putting amazing opportunities out into the world. And today we are focusing on the Autism Society in Oregon, which is near and dear to my heart because I'm a native, not a native, I live here now. Um, I feel like I'm a native. I've been here for 17 years now, but I am talking with Toby Rates. She's the executive director of the Autism Society of Oregon, which I'm going to say ASO because it's easier and that way I can get in more words about the amazing work that they are doing to improve the lives of those affected by autism. So Toby is the executive director and has been since um, been part of the Autism Society since 2011. Prior to that, she was on the board and as a volunteer, she previously practiced law in Washington, D.C., metro area, and also in Boulder, Colorado. Toby and her husband are the proud parents of two young adults, both of whom autistic. One, Jake, who has recently passed, and I know we'll talk about that because it's been um, a very up and down time period for Toby. So I'm so thankful for her to join us today and to share her personal story and talk about ASO and how that is really intertwined. So she became associated with the autism community once they moved to Oregon in 2008. And their goal really is to help people navigate the educational, medical, governmental, and community support systems in Oregon. That's all that they want to do is to really improve the lives of those affected by autism. So on each episode, I highlight a happy hour drink because I enjoy random trivia and I think a good cocktail can go a long way. So today I'm going to talk about the Paloma, which is very popular lately in all of the hit bars and restaurants. Not that I make it out to them very often, but I know about them. So you can make a Paloma at home by mixing tequila, lime juice, and a grapefruit flavored soda, such as Fresca, Squirt, or Haritos, which I just learned about with this. I'm going to have to go find that. Served on the rocks with the lime wedge, and it's delicious. You can also add salt to the rim. Historically, this recipe comes from Mexico, and many say that it is actually favored over a margarita. Because when us Americans, all we think about is, oh, margaritas. But apparently down there, Paloma is the thing. So historically, people believe that this was named after a popular folk song called La Paloma from the early 1860s. There is a Difford's Bar Guide, which states it was created by the legendary Don Javier Delgado Corona, owner of the bar and bartender at La Capilla in Tequila, Mexico. And my accent is abysmal, so I apologize. And it is, they believe it became popular in the U.S. because a bartender, Evan Harrison, introduced the cocktail in his pamphlet, Popular Cocktails of the Rio Grande. So it refers to a part of Texas where grapefruits are mass produced. So cheers to that. So Toby, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so honored. And so can you tell me a little bit about the mission of ASO? Sure. And I'm very happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, so our mission at ASO is to create connections, helping people to find the resources they need um, to live fully. And so one misconception I like to um, address right off the bat is we don't provide direct services. We're not therapists. We're not medical folks. But we are here to help people find the resources they need. And we've 
We talk with lots of people. We have a website with an enormous amount of information. And that's our goal, to help people find the resources they need. Because our vision is that we're creating a world where everyone in the autism community is connected to the support they need when they need it. And as people may know, autism is a, a spectrum. And not everyone has the same needs for supports. And of course, that also changes as people change. that's so important the services that you do provide, because there are medical professionals out there and therapists who deal with that side of those who are on the spectrum, but there's so much more that's needed. And I know that coming from the cancer world, because, you know, my oncologist treated my cancer, got rid of my cancer, but then afterwards it was like, oh, well now what do I do? And I think with autism, my very little knowledge that I have is it's somewhat the same. You, you have your diagnosis, they give you you know, if they help you with medication if needed and some various types of therapy. But there's so many other things that go into it in terms of what those with autism, those affected by autism need on a day-to-day basis. So that is so important. How did you get involved? And obviously I know why, but why is this so personal to you? Yeah, well, I got involved in autism because I have two children who are autistic. Um, Before that, I really knew nothing about autism. Um, And my oldest is 23 years old now. Um, He actually received a diagnosis about 19 years ago. So that's how long I've been involved with autism. Because like I said, before that, I practiced law. I really had no uh, understanding or involvement with autism at all. So it's all through my children. It's something just like cancer. You don't know really anything about it until you experience it. And you're, you're truly thrown into the deep end. And as a parent who has a four-year-old who's, as I'm sure you went through there, you're noticing things that are different. And so you, you go seek help and, you know, you, you receive that diagnosis for your older son. And what was that like for you? Um, it definitely was out of the, out of the blue for us. We, we knew he was different. Um, he had what we now know was hyperlexia where he was obsessed with letters and numbers and he taught He knew all of his alphabet, all the, all, he knew all the letters by age two. He knew them in alphabetical order by age three. He taught himself how to read by age four. We just thought he was brilliant. And he is brilliant, (laughs) but there's other things Um, going on. Mm -hmm. And he is, of course. Um, But then, you know, his preschool recognized some developmental differences. And we also knew there were some differences. And in his communication, particularly, he had a lot of what's called echolalia, where he would repeat rather than converse. So, you know, he was talking, he knew words, but he really wasn't having conversations. And, um, so when they actually first gave us the autism identification through the school, we did not really believe it. Um, we, we knew very little about autism and thought, nah, he can't be autistic, but we also knew he needed some, some help, particularly with communication. So we thought, you know what, if this gets him some supports and services that he needs, call him (laughs) mud. We don't care. Um, he's still the same child and, um, and so we did get some supports and services for him, primarily through um, special education preschool, and that was enormously helpful. Um, with our younger son, it was completely different. He was two when he was formally diagnosed with autism through the medical field, and and it by the way that it's a 
a digression, but it is important to know there's a difference between a medical diagnosis and an educational okay. identification. They are different categories and they open the door to different supports. Mm-hmm. So you need both. Um, with our younger son, he was not talking. And um, when he did not, when he didn't develop language by about age two, we was like, okay, something's going on here. We need to have more, um, uh, you know, a diagnosis for him. And so after it took quite a while, but we did get an autism diagnosis for him by about age two and a half. And like I said, it was, it was very different. It's a, when a child doesn't develop language and, and he really was much more classically autistic than his older brother. Um, so he needed a, a very different range of supports and now services. You had mentioned earlier that there is a spectrum. And from what <laughs> the basics that I know about it, obviously, Willie and Jake were kind of on different parts of that spectrum. So you're having to deal with the whole gamut. But for someone who doesn't really know a classical definition of autism, what would that be? How would you explain that to someone? Autism is a neurobiological difference. The the people who are autistic, their brains are wired differently, and they view the world differently. Um, How autism manifests really varies from person to person. And one thing I like to point out when I give presentations, for example, is that the idea that autism is a spectrum And especially because when you're diagnosed, you're diagnosed at level one, two, or three. So I think it kind of gives a false view to people that autism is sort of like a number line. And you're a little bit more, a little bit less autistic, depending on where you fall on that line. And that's not what it's like at all. It's much more a circular spectrum, a rainbow, if you will, where people, where there are different... um, abilities and different challenges based on, you know, language, sensory impacts, executive functioning, all sorts of different areas. And people can be anywhere within those colors, um, in one way of putting it, depending on how their particular autism manifests and also how they're doing. You know, um, people are going to have good days and bad days, <laughs> you know, whether if they're not feeling well, if they haven't gotten food, they're, they're going to manifest differently or at least show the world a different aspect of themselves. Um, since I don't have the visual, another way of looking at this, a friend told me this and I loved it, was autism is like a buffet and everybody goes through the buffet line and gets a little something different on their well, plate. I- those are and both that's why, amazing oh, visuals. Just, I love the circular aspect of it, um, and especially the yeah. circle of colors with the rainbow. Because, and it's it's really just like, as you mentioned, the neurological differences in your brain. You're wi- wired differently, and yeah. it's different and unique. And it's not lacking or, you know, yes, there are different and harder challenges, but that's what the ASO is there for. Yeah. Um, And you're obviously doing a wonderful job with that and have committed so much of your time and energy. But one thing that I know, and I learned more from your website is how have the rates of autism, the the diagnosis rates changed? Because it's not like, it's not like it wasn't here. It just wasn't diagnosed. Is that, is that kind of a a very general sentence? (laughs) 
Yes. Um, in very generally, yes. That the rates of diagnosis have changed radically. I think back in about 1994, the rate was maybe one in 2,500 children was diagnosed with autism by age eight. Um, trying to remember the exact number, I think it, it's now down to one in 44. It's something like 2.8% of the population. Um, and that's every two years, the Centers for Disease Control tracks that number. And it goes up every single biennium when it comes out. Um, and so, I mean, obviously to go from one in 2,500 to one in 44 is a massive change. And as we say, if you don't know someone who's autistic yet, you will. I mean, it's, it's just pervasive now. Um, some of those changes have to do with the fact that in the 90s, the um, diagnostic criteria for autism changed. So you have a lot of people who before then would not have gotten an autism diagnosis and either wouldn't have gotten a diagnosis at all and would have fallen through the cracks or were oftentimes misdiagnosed. Um, childhood schizophrenia was a very common misdiagnosis. So to our point of view, the fact that those people are now getting a correct diagnosis is a huge benefit. Also, certainly since that time period and since when I was a child, just awareness of autism mm -hmm. has skyrocketed. I mean, when I was a kid, if a child was developing differently, no one would have suggested autism. It, it would have been like mm -hmm. suggesting cancer. I mean, it, it just would have – children who were autistic when I was growing up in the 80s were in institutions. And so no one would have suggested that. Um, and then there just is an increase in autism. And the reasons for that are not – you know, are very controversial and, and there's no one good reason for that. But that's just – kind of a three-legged stool of why we're seeing such a huge increase in autism now, diagnosis. when someone comes to ASO, what, what do you offer them? What type of programs or resources do you send them to? Well, and it really depends on who's coming to us because we serve the entire state of Oregon as well as we you know, we, our programs are available in Southwest Washington as well. Right next to each other with so big close city. to Portland. If, yeah, it feels really bad to say. Yeah, that. Sorry, Vancouver, we um, can't help you. But, and yeah, no, that, that would be awful. So, but we do know much more about Oregon programs, mm -hmm. just, just to be forthright. Um, and we also serve, you know, the entire autism spectrum as well as the entire lifespan. So we have people contacting us ranging from parents of very young children who are concerned about development, looking for uh, evaluations for diagnosis to um, older children who their parents are looking for diagnosis or they've been diagnosed and they're having issues in school or with social uh, groups and then, you know, adolescent issues, transition to adulthood, adults who um, are looking to be diagnosed, to be evaluated for diagnosis, or who've been diagnosed and, and are, you know, undergoing challenges, usually within housing, employment, and social relationships. So it really depends on who's contacting us. But the main things we do are try and find out how we can help, what they're looking for, what resources we can point them to, what resources we can offer them, you know, for things like applying for uh, state services through developmental disability services will help people with filling out the form, um, applying for federal resources like SSI. 
that's a very complex application form. So we'll, and, and that can be a huge barrier. So we try and help people with filling out the forms necessary to get resources. We can't guarantee them acceptance, but we can help with that. Um, we also offer support in social groups, once again, throughout the state, throughout the lifespan, throughout the spectrum. Um, some are online, some are in person. We have tons of information on our website. We do workshops and webinars. Um, for example, we've been doing a monthly, it's going to go to every other month, but a, a webinar on autism resources Fabulous. in Oregon. And once, and, and then we also, you know, we do con- different community inclusion events, just a lot of fun events so people can get out and enjoy themselves and feel part of their community. And then finally, our two most popular programs are called Take a Break and Take a Breather on ASO. And Take a Break's been around for, oh gosh, over 15 years. It's basically offering parents or other legal guardians an evening out to relax, recharge, and kind of to be better caregivers. Um, And then we recently, within the past couple of years, started Take a Breather, which is a similar idea, but it's for autistic individuals, Mm -hmm. ages 16 and up. We'll provide up to $100 in gift cards for whatever they would like wow, to do. Wow, that is amazing. So whether, you know, yeah. And it's um, it was suggested to us by one of our board members who's autistic. And it was like, that's a terrific idea. And just to try and avoid what's called autistic burnout. People put a lot of energy into appearing not autistic and into getting along with the world and being functional. And this is a way to help, you know, them do indulge whatever interests they have, whether it's arts and crafts, fitness, uh, lots of sensory uh, requests for sensory items, um, just whatever will help them give them a break and help them function. That's fabulous. My, my best friend here in Oregon, she has a a 20 year old stepson who's autistic and you know, they, he, he lives with them and it's, he needs to have someone with him all the time. He also has, um, Mm-hmm. epileptic seizures quite often or seizures. I apologize. I don't know if they're epileptic, well. but that's, you know, something they have to look out for. So he needs round the clock, you know, companionship. And it's mm-hmm. challenging as for any, any parent, it's really hard to be on all the time. And so it's, it is a labor of exactly. love, of course, but they also need nights out. So something like the take a break is amazing, but I also under, the, appreciate the take a breather. Our friends, um, he loves classical music. So he's he literally could tell you any classical music artist piece, and he will walk around humming and singing, and he also loves to um, print things out and then laminate them, and he has all of those. So like that would be his treat. <laughs> he would get like laminating sheets and paper and, you know, and have them mm-hmm. happy to do it. And, and please do have them contact us. We'd be happy to do both take a break for the parents as well as take a breather for, for the young man. Um, as well as I'd be happy to talk with them, make sure that they're, oh, yeah. they're in Oregon, making sure that they're getting all the resources that resources that are available. Well, I appreciate to them. that. And I actually asked her if she was familiar with her and she said a hundred percent. Yes. Um, they've participated in okay. walks in the past and their, their life is incredibly busy, but I know she was really excited that I was doing this today. So, <laughs> you know, it's always <laughs> nice to get positive feedback about organizations that you know are good, but you're like, Oh, I have a friend who recommends them a hundred percent. 
Good. Glad to hear now, that. Absolutely. Talking about the, the constituents who receive your resources, as you said, you cover the age spectrum because honestly, until I had my friends who have these adult children, I think most people don't, they think about children with autism. They don't think about what happens yeah. when they become adults. And and they will be adults much longer, generally speaking, yes. than they were children. Um, yeah. And I think that is something that we're working really hard to address because I think like most organizations that work in the autism community, we everyone has been slow to recognize that autistic children right. become and so autistic much adults. Focus is on and the children. Yeah, I I know that um, a, a colleague of mine who's also um, the mother of an autistic young adult now, I think, um, and she works in the medical field, and she said, you know, looking at the literature, you would have thought that autism was a terminal disease because there was nothing even after age 11 or 12, really, there was no science, no literature, nothing. Um, and I think that is changing, luckily. Um, there, I mean, there's not, there, there are definitely gaps in the resources available for children, and there are even larger gaps in the resources available for adults. And obviously, that's something that we're working to help change. Um, but it is really important to recognize not only that autistic children become autistic adults, they're going to be adults, generally speaking, for a lot longer than they were children, but those autistic adults have a lot to teach those of us who are parents of children um, because they've been autistic children. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's just really can be a win-win situation to make sure that they're getting the supports and resources they need as well as learning from them and and mining their knowledge. Well, I think too, really changing the perceptions of those who have been affected by autism because many people think, oh, well, you know, they're they're they just need help all the time and they can't do anything on their own. Except you have an adult son yeah. who is autistic who's often who was off in Europe on his own. And yeah, yeah, he, and yeah, he just got back last night actually, and he's he's lived in Europe on his own. That's why I think it's so important to, to be talking about autism acceptance and, and recognizing that autism as a spectrum is a vast range. Um, even with my two children, my older son has pretty minimal support needs. Um, he needs the supports that any other 23-year-old young person needs um, and some that are specific to him. But in general, he doesn't need someone with him 24 seven. He, he, he does not need that level of support. Um, he, but then my younger son did, he was, excuse me, non-speaking. He didn't, um, understand safety. He needed an adult with him at all times to keep him safe. And he was more than happy to have that. He was mm -hmm. used to an entourage, he also um, suffered from epilepsy and needed to be taken, you know, to be cared for uh, for when now, he had seizures. Now, do you know, does that often go hand in hand? It can. Um, I think up to something about, something like 30% of autistic people also have a epilepsy co-diagnosis. It is very, very common for people with an autism diagnosis to have a co-occurring diagnosis, something like close to 90% of people with an autism diagnosis 
also have a co-occurring diagnosis. And half of those folks have five or more co-occurring diagnoses, which can range from, I mean, ADD, ADHD is one of the most common co-diagnoses, but also things like um, anxiety disorder, depressive disorder, even bipolar disorder, Down syndrome, um, as well as uh, things like uh, gut issues, sleep disorders. Those are all very, very common co-occurring disorders with autism. And some of those can be much more disruptive, particularly anxiety, Mm -hmm. for example, to living your life fully than autism is. And it can be difficult to tease out which, what's the autism and what's the anxiety. I have anxiety that it can be very detrimental to me. And I, I don't have a, an yeah. autism diagnosis, but uh, autism and depression, and there's so many other things that really do go hand in hand. And I think uh, over time, we will find out what the the difference is in our brains, because there are definitely little snips. And sometimes there's one snip, there's 10 snips and yeah. to, to make all these differences. Yeah. Well, well, I will say anecdotally, and I'm not a medically trained person at all, but it seems like the autistic folks who have less need of outside supports and definitely are do not have any type of intellectual disability, which, you know, that can be a co-occurring disorder with autism, but intellectual disability is not part of autism. Um but those folks who do not have intellectual disability and who have lower support needs tend to have a higher incidence of anxiety and depression. I actually can understand that as I know enough about medical stuff to yeah. be dangerous. So don't don't listen to me for any true facts. <laughs> no, but it makes sense because they they know that they have autism, even though they're, you know, highly functioning and can do what they need to do in society. But I'm sure there's that that feeling of, oh my gosh, I have this and I have con- I can't control it, which could lead to the depression and the anxiety. So it's all very intertwined. Yeah, I, I do want to um, make a point about language really quickly. It's not that they have autism. Autism is not a disease that someone contracts. It is that they are autistic. They are different. This is who they are. There is not, you know, a person, there is not Joe without autism and Joe with autism. He is simply Joe, Thank an you. autistic person. So I just w- wanted to make that, that quick note. Um, but yeah, I do think that Folks with lower support needs tend to be more self-aware and more aware of the differences. You know, like I always say, um, my older son is is probably a half step off different from other people, and he's aware of that. My younger son, he didn't even know there was a path to be on, <laughs> but, and, and was you know he had no clue that he was different and and was very, very happy kid. Thank you for that clarification. I appreciate that. And that's so one of the many reasons why you exist is to educate those who are your constituents, but also people like me who want to know and want to help, but I need to have the proper terminology. So thank you. Well, and let me tell you, just everything in autism is controversial (laughs) to begin with. Um, And we are also happy. That's one thing I didn't mention one of the things we do, we, we do presentations. We don't charge for those. We're happy to talk with anybody about autism and what autism is, ways to support autistic people, and what AFSO does. Um, but yeah, the, the education, not just within the autistic community, but also to the community at large about autism is absolutely one of, the, so uh, one of our missions. And for all of the programs <laughs> that we've talked about, are there fees? Are there costs? Because 
no. anything that has to do with the medical uh, diagnosis costs no. a ton of money. So, yeah, no, we don't charge for any of our services. Um, we don't have membership fees or anything like that. You also, and just to be clear, you don't need to have an autism diagnosis to ask for our help and services, um, particularly people who are looking for a diagnosis. That would be self-defeating. But we're well aware of all the costs that are associated with with autism, with trying to get supports and services, um, or even just trying to get a diagnosis. Um, we're also aware of there's a lot of barriers put up. There's a lot of hoops to jump through. So we try and make our services as easy to access as possible. Um, and as I say, we, we don't charge fees for any of our services. We don't have membership fees. It, it's all free. And we are supported by private donations generally. Um, we don't receive any government funding. Um, and largely we raise our our funding, like I say, through through private donations, through our autism walks, and through our golf tournament fundraiser, and just different fundraisers. I love that, and I was going to get into that later. But what is your website? Because I know there's a big donate button on there. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it is our we are a five hundred one c three, so donations are tax deductible. Just want to put that out there. Our website is autismsocietyoregon.org. So it's autism, A-U-T-I-S-M, society, Oregon, and spell out Oregon, dot org. So we're going to take a quick headline break, and then we'll get back to more about ASO. So if you are a listener, you know that I love the Today Show because they always have fabulous headlines. So 6-21-23, firefighters helped deliver a baby 18 years ago. Now he's their intern. When a Tennessee teen became an intern at his local fire department, he learned that his bosses were more like family. The firefighters who signed my paychecks delivered me, O.T. Harris, 18, an incoming college freshman at Tennessee State University, tells today.com. 18 years ago on New Year's Day, Letitia Hall went into labor at her mother's house two days before her scheduled induction. On O.T.'s first day of work at the Tennessee Fire Department, he made small talk with a firefighter who figured out their connection and word spread about the new intern and how they helped bring him into the world. And when I read that story, it literally just gave me chills because there's so many really amazing connections that are out there in the world that will surprise you with wonderful things. So you can read the entire story at today.com. So back to Oregon Autism Society. So Toby, what do you feel is the the biggest and best that ASO has to offer the constituents out there? Oh gosh. Um I would say in terms of programs, take a break and take a breather are the most popular, but in terms of what we offer, I think the the biggest thing we offer is empathy, having, you know, um, there are four of us employed at the Autism Society of Oregon, plus we have a, a statewide mm-hmm. network of volunteers. But all of us are either parents of autistic kids or autistic ourselves. And not me. <laughs> we have two, of our, two other people are autistic. Um, but, you know, the fact that we've been there, that we live this, that we're not approaching this as outsiders, that this is our lives, this is part of our lives and we go through the same hassles with trying to get 
support services for our children or for ourselves as everybody else does. We're not, we're part of the community. We're not separate That is so important. And I definitely felt that going through a cancer diagnosis with an organization that I had found because finding someone who's been there and they've already walked that path, it really makes it so much easier for you to step onto that path. Even though there are different stones and different ways you can go, having someone who gets it and who understands really can make all the difference in the world. And absolutely. And, and, you know, we've been there. We, we've, we've heard the diagnosis for our children. We understand how that can feel. We've also, you know, like I say, you know, our uh, other folks at ASO have received the diagnosis themselves as an adult and, and, you know, and how and it's a, it can be very, very different. I have to say for, for parents, it can be kind of a kick in the gut. For an adult, it's according to many of the autistic adults I've talked to, it can be really affirming to finally get that autism diagnosis and understand why you felt different your whole life. Now, do you what kind of feedback do you receive, obviously, from those adults, but or the families with children who have used your services? What what do they come back and tell you? Um, well, Oftentimes it's it's lovely and we appreciate the help and and that's always wonderful to hear. There is also and I, I have to kind of giggle about this because no matter what you do, yeah. it's never enough. Um, there is so much need out there. Whenever we host an event, um, there's someone who's upset that it's not in their area. Um, you know, if we host it in Portland, people outside of Portland are upset. If we host it outside of Portland, people in Portland are upset. If we host it on the east side, people on the west side are upset. It's just, you know, you do your best you can. We're, we're not a large organization. We don't have an unlimited budget or time. And we're just here doing our best. And most people recognize that and are very, very appreciative. We've gotten wonderful, wonderful feedback, particularly on the mm-hmm. Take a Breather program from autistic adults who quite frankly, they're not used to getting resources aimed at them and with a very low barrier in order to access it. Um, So they've been incredibly Well, and like you said, you are for people. And for those of you who have not worked for a nonprofit, you're not in this for the money. (laughs) They're they're in this because it's so important to you. And you've, as you've said, you've been on this path for 19 years. And, you know, before that, not knowing, but you have chosen to essentially not practice law anymore because this is so important to you to find those resources and help others. Yeah, and I have, I, I have to say that that wasn't a hard decision. <laughs> it is. Um, I, I used to do domestic relations, which is divorce oh, and you. child support. And this is, is much more soul satisfying to know that, that I can help people. And that quite frankly, I can give people information without having to charge them for it is is a real blessing. So for people, me. please go donate. Any every dollar will help an organization <laughs> like this to help Toby help more families. Now, Toby, do you have any like a person in particular that you really is you can see has made mm. that ASO has made such a difference in their life that really filled your heart? Oh gosh. You know, there's been a lot of people who have come through ASO. We, we talk or interact with, I think, over 3,000 a year between, you know, email, online, um, plus just in-person events. Um, gosh, one 
that comes to mind, which is a, a really because it's so different, is a a woman who was diagnosed with autism um, as an adult, and she had a child, and not under the best of circumstances, the father was um, not a good person. The child was removed from her care almost at birth, and we helped her to get supports and services through developmental disability services. She had already um, gotten some other services, but just help the court to understand that being autistic didn't mean she couldn't be a good mother. Now we weren't there to tell the court whether or not to return the child to her. That's out of our bailiwick, but just to, and to provide help and supports to her and the child has been reunited oh, with her, and that's that's been lovely to see. <laughs> you know, and like I say, I, I, we didn't want to. We we're not. It would not be appropriate for us to take on a role of telling mm-hmm. the court what to do, but just making sure that she had supports and services in place so that she could show the court what her abilities were, and what we at, at the very beginning there was. Definitely, I wouldn't say unspoken. I think it was spoken that because she was autistic, she could not be an appropriate parent for a child. And that's absolutely not true. And we just wanted to make sure that the decision makers were aware of what her actual abilities were rather than saying that simply because she's autistic, she couldn't be a parent. That's amazing. I have no words for that. And what you were able to do to really reunite that family. That is amazing. Now, sorry, go ahead. I was also going to say that, you know, as a result of that child protective services is, is really, I think, um, trying very hard to make themselves more aware about autism, both for, for all the families they serve, both for the, for autistic children who are removed from their parents, whether the parents are autistic or not. And for, parents of children in the system with the the parent being autistic and you know they've they've set up sensory rooms now for when uh for parent child interactions they and i think they've really um taken to heart that just because someone is autistic doesn't mean they can't be in a that is definitely another underserved and underappreciated occupation is cps workers they need raises and they need more support because what they do is is truly the best and the hardest work out there for, you know, there's a lot of really good and hard jobs out there, but helping (laughs) children and families is really near and dear to my heart. Yeah. And that's also another thing where um, autistic children are overrepresented in the foster child Mm -hmm. population. Well, how would someone, if they're in need of services, how do they, how do they find you? How do they come to you? So certainly they can find us on the internet through our website, which is autismsocietyoregon.org. They can also call us directly. Um, Our phone number is 503-636-1676. We also have a toll-free number, which hasn't really been as important lately, but it's 888-AUTISM-1, A-U-T-I-S-M, and the number 1. Um, is our, our toll-free line as well. And then we are on social media. We have Facebook. We have Instagram. Um, and what's Facebook. the other one? <laughs> but we have, we have, yeah, Facebook. Uh, mainly through Facebook. But, yeah, definitely through our, our website. Oh, and then through email, of course. The, um, the general email address 
is info, I-N-F-O, at autismsocietyoregon.org. So just like our website. Um, that is a general mailbox, but it comes directly to me. So it, it doesn't go into sort of a never, never land that never gets answered. That one. Now comes you had mentioned me. events earlier where people can volunteer and fundraise. Now I know you had your annual walk in May. Is that correct? Oh, April. Actually, okay. it was in, in April, which is yes. Autism Acceptance Month. And actually, the, so we had the annual one in mm-hmm. Portland in April. We also had a brand new one in Salem in May. Um, We'll have another autism walk in Eastern Oregon in August, August 12th in La Grande. And then we'll have a one on the coast in Florence, um, just about an hour outside of Eugene. Uh, We'll have that on September 30th. So we have a number of different walks. And you also mentioned a golf tournament? Yes, we have our annual golf tournament. It's at Pumpkin Ridge in um, North Plains, so just past uh, Hillsborough. And uh, and that's a beautiful course, one of the nicest in the state. Um, that is on September 15th. I believe okay. that's the Friday. Um, and that will be our 11th annual. And that that's always a great time. Now, I'm assuming you fun. need volunteers for all of these events. How can someone how can find out about those opportunities? <laughs> we, we have... Once again, reach out to us through our website, through um, email, through calling us. No, nope, that's okay. I'll put them in the notes. If you think I should. Okay. And, um, and we also, you know, we do lots of other community events. So, for example, we have our Sky's the Limit event, which is basically a dress rehearsal for taking an airline trip. So we work in conjunction, usually with an airline, with TSA, and with the Portland Airport to um to do a dress rehearsal they they get families come in they get boarding passes they go through security with all the tsa requirements they usually uh go to a gate they meet with pilots and flight attendants Uh, we usually have a plane for them to at least board and check out um we're doing one we're getting it set up for uh july 29th and um unfortunately we're not gonna have a plane available so we're gonna do it as a scavenger hunt instead but we can always use uh, volunteers for that. We're going to try and do one down in the Medford area later this year. Um, and we've been looking at doing one in Central Oregon, but that hasn't come together yet. But we also, you know, we have, uh, you know, just all sorts of different fun events going on. We had a neurodiverse dating event. We're going to do more of those. We can always use volunteers for those events. Um, so yeah, contact us if you would like to volunteer, particularly at our events. We I love that. And the folks. sky's the limit one. And if you don't know a family with someone who is autistic, boarding a plane can be incredibly traumatizing, that whole experience. Yeah. And my friend, they they love Disneyland. And the, the son loves Disneyland, but the father and the son drive down and the rest of the family flies down for various timing reasons because okay. he will not go on a plane. They've done it and it was not a good experience. So that's why something like the sky's the limit would be so impactful. Yeah, it just gives it's low stakes. You haven't bought plane tickets um, and everyone's there to be helpful and to help out. Um, we do have some information when uh, we're part of this of the program that the Port of Portland has put in effect called the Sunflower Lanyard, which is, it's a lanyard with a sunflower on it, basically, where it's a way of letting people identify 
to airport and airline personnel that they may have an invisible disability, such as autism. Because, you know, you can't necessarily look at someone and mm-hmm. realize they're autistic, um, which is both helpful and not helpful. But um, this lets people know that, that you may need some extra supports, that you have a disability of some type and could be autism, could be some other invisible disability. And then we also provide um, the, the Port of Portland, which runs the airport, has updated their visual guide. So it's kind of like a, a social story about how to access the airport. And we provide copies of that. You can download it from their website, but it's a lot of pages and a lot of pictures. So it's, a, you know, but they printed out several for us and, and we pass those along. We, we send out the sunflower lanyards and we also just have some, some basic general advice um, for, for folks trying to, to do some airline travel because um, you know, that's an, that's an important way to, to, to be able to visit family members who don't live in the area, to take family vacations, and, and just mm-hmm. to make those memories. Oh, I love that. I'm definitely going to figure find all that and add it to the show notes because I want to know more about that and highlight the Portland Portland as well for doing being in conjunction with you on that. That's fabulous. Now, they, yes, they've worked what has hard. been your greatest blessing for being involved with the ASO? My greatest blessing, I would have to say, um, the community, meeting members of the community, working with them. You know, we're here to try and help the community members, but we also are get help from them in terms of learning about resources, learning about you know information on on that helps me to to be a better parent of an autistic person or kids and um and and just what i've learned and gotten from the community is far more than than what i feel like i've given to I love community. that and that's what i really that's what i really want to talk about here on this podcast is people who are putting good out there because there is so much good out in the world but by putting it out there you fill up your own soul it's it's really it's a twofold yeah, exchange. Like you're helping people, but honestly, they're all helping you at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I say, it's been, been far more um, nurturing for my soul than, than being an attorney. <laughs> I can see that. I was a paralegal for five years in corporate law, so I totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> now, big question. If money were no objects, what would your dreams be for ASO? Oh, gosh. Um, Money were no object. <laughs> it's always an object. There's so much more that we can do to help. That that what I would love to be able to do to help, um, particularly for adults. The issues tend to be housing, employment, and social relationships. Um, of those three, social relationships is probably the the one that's easiest mm-hmm. for us to help with um, because it's, it's doable for us. We can set up neurodiverse dating events. We can set up support and social groups and so forth. Um, but housing and employment, um, being able to what (laughs) housing is Mm -hmm. one of the biggest stressors for people, especially with the housing costs have just ballooned in the last several years. But even before that, I know we did a housing workshop years ago. And people were really stressed out because it's not like you your child turns 18 and you have housing for them or there's a housing place to go. 
So with if money were no object, being able to create safe, appropriate housing with the supports that 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 each person needs would be absolutely. And then as well as creating employment that once again is appropriate to those per, that person's abilities and needs because employment really impacts everything else. Employment impacts how much you can afford to pay for housing. It's usually a source of, of social interaction. And it's also just a source of you know, validation for yourself that, that you are in, an important member of society. Um, so the, that, that, and as well as helping the families who have children who are autistic, um, because one thing we've been involved in is, um, tr- right now a parent of a minor child cannot be a paid caregiver for that child through the state. There are caregivers who can be paid as long as they're not the parent, but it, you can't find them. So finding a way to, and, and we've been during COVID, those parents could be paid. Um, so we're trying to find ways to expand that program and extend it. Um, and it's hard because there's a huge cost involved. And basically they plan for that program based on the idea that our children will not be able to find mm-hmm. caregivers. My, my friends definitely struggle um, with that. So, you know, we talk about, she's like, Oh, we, we got yeah. a PCW. Let's go out on a date night. I'm like, okay, that's great. But it doesn't happen very often. I small antidote. One of yeah. the things that I, um, am so proud of recently. One of my stepson's friends came over that they literally lived at our house through high school. There was five boys who were here all the time. And, they were, you know, high school boys, they were dirty and they were reckless and they were crude, but I love them all. And one of them recently, he's, he's graduated now from, from college and he's in the process of applying to med school. And in the interim, he's, he's a personal care worker. And I literally just like, I was so proud of him that like, I, that a young man who like I've known, known through crazy times has made, like grown into this adult who wants to give back and help people. And it just filled my heart. And and I would, that's lovely. I would, so two things. One is I would also urge you to look at, at the fact that he's not nearly doing that, only doing that from the goodness of his heart. He's also, one, he's being paid, but also hopefully he's getting something from what he's doing, that it's not all he's giving but that person he's the support worker for is also giving to him in return. And, and you know, I, I think it's important to recognize that. I will say probably the short answer to your question about what we would do if, we, if money were no object is provide all those supports and services that everyone in the community needs and actually provide those services um, with, without having to worry about Exactly. Who's going to pay for that? And I have to give a shout out to my local school district here in Tigard Tualatin. In both the middle school and the high school, there are peer counseling. You can take peer counseling as a class, as your elective, and they're helping out the students with special needs. And um, my. Nice. And and like, I think that's fantastic. I just, I really want to emphasize that point that it's not all a one way transaction, that it's not all the typically developing kids helping the kids who are with developmental disabilities. Hopefully there is some reciprocity there and they're recognizing what they're learning from that, mm-hmm. that kid 
who has who is developing differently. I know, but you know, both of my children, particularly my younger son, who had significant support needs, he people learned a lot from him. He gave oh, 100%, a lot. Too. Like you said, he was just happy. And being around someone who's yeah. happy all yeah. the time is hard to find. And so just being around someone who has that sunny disposition and just even if they're nonverbal, you can tell if they are in a good place. And oh, mm-hmm. oh Jake was very clear. He even though he was did, did not speak, he he communicated quite a bit. He just he was so I very happy. Now I think we're I think we're almost done with everything I wanted to talk about today. Is there anything else you would like to share about ASO or your journey? Yeah. Well, one thing I did want to share, because you alluded to it a little bit earlier, but my, my younger son, Jake, did recently pass away. That was in January. As I said, he was autistic. He was non-speaking or non-verbal. He had very significant support needs, but he was an absolute joy. And I just want to be clear in case anybody is wondering he did not die from autism. He passed away from epilepsy. He had an epileptic seizure, which led to cardiac arrest. And it was very sudden and very unexpected. Um, but he, he is greatly loved. Definitely. And, and he will always for be sure. And I know he enriched your life so much. Absolutely. We are, you know, I, I am at a place where it's, um, we are grateful for the 18 years and 143 days we got with Jake, but we also know oh, it it's never enough. enough, especially with a soul like that who no. just wanted to share yeah. his happiness with the world. Absolutely. He, he had a good life. He enjoyed yes, his life. And I'm immensely. sure he knows now what you are doing and will continue to do in his memory and in his honor. And also for your other son, Willie, you are, out there yeah. learning about opportunities for Willie and other families and other kids. And you are making such a difference in this community. Thank you. One thing I also did want oh, to say, I know we're getting close to time, but, oh, okay. Is that in Jake's memory, we, we have started a memorial fund for him um, from donations that we got which from friends and family and just people in the community, which was lovely. And after some thought, we are using that fund for water safety instruction and um, both for developmentally appropriate water safety as well as for fun events, you know, family swim events, you know, adult swim events. Um, With the idea being, you know, water safety wasn't an issue for Jake. He did learn how to swim, Mm -hmm. but he loved the water. So we wanted to do something that really spoke to what he enjoyed doing rather than what, what ended up taking his that life too beautiful. soon. beautiful. I would love so for that, you to share yeah. that information with me so I can put it in the notes as well. Thank you. Well, Toby, Absolutely. gosh, thank you so much for being here today. I've learned a lot and I'm so thrilled to be able to share what you and ASO are doing for our community here in Oregon and just your journey well, with you. your family and oh yeah, it like, just it this has filled my heart today for sure yeah well thank you well, like i said thank you so much for having me and for highlighting the autism society of oregon and the work that we do um we are here to help we're um like i said everything in autism is controversial but we we really focus on how can we help people in the here and now how can we help them find the supports and resources 
they need when they need them and provide information both to the autism community and also just to the general community. Perfect. And listeners, autismsocietyoregon.org. And you can also find them on social media and follow and just click on that donate button and five, 10, 50, a hundred dollars, whatever speaks to your heart today. And also for Jake's Memorial Fund, because water safety is so important and knowing that that's something he loved so much. Any, any donation for that is always appreciated. Thank you. Yeah, I will say a lot of um, autistic kids are, are drawn to water, and that's why drowning is the leading cause of death for autistic kids. So that's why water safety instruction at a level that they can understand and, and use Perfect. is so we important. We will definitely put that in the notes. Toby, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you again. I really appreciate um, you having me. Listeners, you know where to find us. We're on Apple, Google, and Spotify. If you want to give a rating and a review, or even better, share with your friends, because I just want to get these episodes out to people to support wonderful organizations like Autism Society of Oregon and all those that I talk with. New episodes will come out in the middle and the end of each month or whenever Whenever it happens, because, you know, I'm a one-woman show here. If you want to email me, I'm Michelle at WeRiseByLiftingEachOther.com. You can also find me on social. Just look for the Phoenix. And we'll be back in a couple weeks. And until then, remember, we heal through adversity and we rise by lifting each other. If you or someone you love has experienced a diagnosis of breast cancer, please check out Breast Friends. Their mission is to ensure that no woman goes through cancer alone by providing education, community, and support. Regardless of where you are in your journey, Breast Friends will help you navigate this new and challenging path with support and understanding. Breast Friends strives to be relevant, accessible, and inclusive of all who want to participate and aim to empower those to thrive beyond their cancer diagnosis through experiencing a variety of activities and informative topics in a nurturing environment. Breast Friends is thrilled to announce a partnership with Know Your Lemons to provide educational classes about symptom awareness and screening information to the community. Please check out www.breastfriends.org or email mail at breastfriends.org for additional information.